Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. I'm glad I came to church, although I did say to David yesterday, do you want to preach? <laughs> and he said, too late now, Claire. <laughs> so I met. So thank you, team. That was absolutely beautiful. Let's give them a, a hand. Oh, it's a good season, isn't it? Christmas. I finally got a Christmas tree up yesterday. Um, it's taken me a while because, as you know, we had a flood in our house. So we haven't been living in our house. We've been living in a caravan for a long time. And um, finally this week, we had breakthrough. We're out of the caravan. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love caravanning life, but not for long term. All right? So, And I love this season. You know, Christmas to me is so lovely, not because of all the stuff that people find hard, family and all those sort of things. Christmas to me is beautiful because we get to worship him. It is actually okay to have carols blaring from your house at five o'clock in the morning, all day, every day, right up to Christmas, and your neighbors don't seem to mind, even though David keeps coming and turning down the music. But I've just woken up, thank you, I've woken up and I have put on the carols and I've worshiped and I've wept and I've put on my car and the more I've worshiped and the more I've thought about my Savior, the more my heart has melted at his goodness and how great he is. And this is why the Christmas season is amazing because we are worshiping 24-7 and we're joining with the choir of angels that say, worthy, worthy, worthy is the King. And that, church, is our true identity. That is where we're going to find the joy that we're looking for. So are you ready today? It's time to celebrate who He is. Awesome, hey? Our focus today is joy. Now, we have done hope, we have done peace, Pastor David did that last week, and today is joy. Can I just pray for a moment? Jesus, I just thank you. You are so good, and I love you so much, and it is the greatest, greatest privilege to speak about you. And Jesus, we honor you in this house, and we honor your word, and Holy Spirit, we're just so grateful for you, because you bring so much joy, and you are so good. And so, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to do whatever you want to do this morning. We pray that you'd unblock our ears to hear your words, not mine, but yours, Jesus. We pray our hearts would be soft, Father. And Lord, if we are a little bit far from God, I pray this morning we'd come a little bit closer. And I pray that our songs would be so sweet to your ears. I pray that would make you smile today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, it's good to come around the word, hey? So today, I want to talk about the Christmas story, and I want us to open up um, to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to pick it up where Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem for the census to be counted, and poor Mary is heavily pregnant. Now, I, the reality of this is very real to me at the moment because my daughter-in-law uh, Georgia is living with us and I just feel for her and she's carrying this baby and she's doing things and she's got babies on her arms and it's not easy and poor Mary on a donkey had to go all the way to Bethlehem fully pregnant and when she gets there it's time for her baby it's like wow Mary I'm in awe of you you are a superwoman so let's pick it up at Luke chapter 2 we're going to start in verse 6 okay have we got it 
just get a drink before we start. Okay, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them and said, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I love that the angel said, I bring you today good news that will bring great joy to all people. And when I looked up, because my favorite translation is the Passion, it says, I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it's for everyone, everywhere. And I have just titled my message, this joyous news is for everyone, everywhere. Nobody, nobody, would you hear me, church? Nobody is exempt. The kingdom of heaven is not exclusive, it is inclusive. Every single one of us are invited into this place of good news. My son, when he came home, I was telling him what I was going to speak on, and he said, Mom, you need, to, you need to read this. And he sent me this little meme from Aussie Dave. And Aussie Dave, he's, he's, he knows a lot of the Jewish background, and I really love his memes. And he said, on one of my trips to the Holy Land, I had the chance to meet a shepherd herding her sheep. As I approached the flock, the smell was so overpowering. And in the first century, this stench stench of sheep, it's like me when I ride horses, I stink of horses, but the stench of sheep marks shepherds as outcasts. In fact, our author Alexander Shea says, to smell like a sheep was a mark of shame. When you smell a sheep, everyone knew you were to be avoided. But this is the good news, that Jesus loves you so much that he stepped out of heaven to be born right in the middle of your mess and shame. Even the Hebrew word we translate stable, refeth, comes from a root meaning, meaning to sink down and to drop down. Jesus dropped down from heaven to be born amongst the outcast, amongst the marginalized, amongst the overlooked of society to say, I have good news for you and for you and for you. <laughs> How cool it was it that the first people to hear the good news were the shepherds who were smelly. <laughs> Oh, you love that? And the angel was saying to them, hey, guys, you smelly ones, there's good news. There's good news. The Savior, the Messiah has been born. The one that you've been waiting for and longing for has come, and he's going to bring great joy to you and to all people. Don't you love that? You know, joy is really important to God. 
Like it's not just a feeling, it's actually a, a, a lifestyle to be joyful. And, and in, the, in the Bible, it's actually mentioned like 400 times, that's a lot. And there's a couple of words for joy, one of them that really spoke to me, and it said, simka, that's how you said. I even looked, listened to the Hebrew, simka. You had to do it like that, you know. Um, and that means to delight with great happiness and gladness. And you know when it's expressed? At a Jewish wedding and at the birth of a child. And it's rooted in delight and gladness and all that God has done for his people. And it was expressed in shouts of praise, joyous celebration, and happiness. You see, all through the Old Testament, all through this word, right from the very beginning, from Genesis, God had been prophesying that the Messiah would come. They knew the word. They knew he was about to come. And the stories had been told. The message had been preached. A Messiah is coming. And a generation was living expectant, just like we are. We hear Jesus is coming back. And are we expectant? I am. I say, is it today, Jesus? Are we ready? Can you imagine they would be the same? They'd wake up. The tyranny of the Romans was so full on. And they'd say, is it today? Is it this year? We're coming to an end of the year. Is it 2023, Jesus, that you're coming back? Because we're so hungry for you. We can't wait. Well, that's what they would have been feeling. And these shepherds get the good news. Oh, wow, the Messiah has come. Really? He's come, it's like us, we were, you know, getting repairs on our house, and we get a phone call from, from the builder, the foreman, saying, hey, you're going to have builders there on Monday? We're like, yeah, sure. You know how we can get like that? Because there have been delay and promise for a long time, and you're like, yeah, sure. yeah, sure. But, you know, they did turn up, which was awesome. And Isaiah actually prophesied that when the Messiah would come, there would be a festival of joy. I've never heard of that, a festival of joy. A festival of joy was going to happen. And this Messiah, attached to him would be a mission. And the mission which would bring such joy would be that he would reconcile mankind back to the Father. So what happened in Eden where they walked with God? He was coming to bring that back, to restore the garden. He would now bring people into this close relationship with God. And he'd bring forgiveness of sins. He would heal their sick bodies. He would heal the brokenhearted. If you've ever been brokenhearted, I tell you, you need that. He'd come and he'd deliver the oppressed and set captives free. He'd open prison doors. He would bring beauty out of every single sad place that you live from. He would give us the oil of joy for mourning. He's going to break grief off your life. He'd bring a garment of praise. He would redress us with all those heavy things would come off and he'd put on the garment of praise for us. He would take ruined lives and he would rebuild them. Think of that. Our desert wilderness hearts would be restored back to fresh, fruitful, and flourishing. No more barrenness. This is what he came to bring. He would clothe us with a clothe, a clothe of salvation. That's powerful. He came to restore and redeem us from the curse of sin and death. In other words, if you find yourself in a hopeless situation right now, this rescue would come and he would heal and he would deliver and he would set you free. Can you imagine the joy? They knew what was attached to the Messiah. The joy that, hey, he's come. And then Isaiah also prophesied, he said, that when he comes, there will be singing and dancing on those that embrace him. Everlasting joy and gladness will be upon their head, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And his rule, okay, because he came with authority and power, 
would be characterized by shalom peace. A peace that would subdue and conquer and evict things out of our lives that do not belong to the beloved. He would come with that peace that would bring completeness and wholeness, nothing lacking, nothing missing. And no one, no one is exempt from receiving this joy. I love that. And you see, I believe that many of us lose our joy because we lose sight of who the Messiah is. So how do we get this joy back? Are you ready? Okay, how do we restore our joy? For some of you, you may never have received this joy. Today, I'm going to show you how. Number one, we've got to find Jesus. We need to ask to find, we need to seek the Savior for ourselves. The shepherd said in verse 15, let's go, let's hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they ran ran to see and encounter Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if we ran into church on Sunday morning? Because we know when we come together, we're going to encounter Jesus. You see, all through the Bible, men and women heard about Jesus and they ran. Wherever he went, there was a crowd. Why? Because they knew he was the solution to their problems. They knew they tried everything else, nothing else worked. And they knew that if they could just touch Jesus, something would change in their life. And so they ran. And you know, Jeremiah tells us, he says that when you seek me with deep longing, when you get really serious about finding me, you will find me. It's a promise. It's not, oh, you may. No, you will find me. When I hide from Margot and we play hide and seek, I always hide somewhere she can find me. Always. Because it's so fun when she comes and I go, here I am. It's amazing. And I think God's the same. You see, the message Bible says, that when you seek him like this, you will never be disappointed. Never. How cool is that? There's something so powerful about seeking God for yourself. Okay, so you can be brought up in a family that loves Jesus, but at some point, at some point, you've got to find him for yourself. And when I was in New Zealand riding horses, I loved this, and I'm going to, I'm going to get one, actually, because I really liked it. And every day we were given, when we arrived, a saddlebag. And in our saddlebag, we would put our lunchboxes and anything we wanted to carry with us. And you see, when you're brought up in the house of God, you're kind of carrying your mum and dad's saddlebag because they go to church and they do things. And then all of a sudden, you've actually got to ride your own horse and take your own saddlebag and find Jesus for yourself. You've actually got to go, well, who is this man? I know about him, but who is this man? Because the Bible says if you would draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Okay, the shepherds went to see the Messiah they'd heard, but they went to see. He was the promise fulfilled. And part of the promise was that he would bring a light of the new day into their life. And when you're in darkness, gee, do you need light? When you've lost hope, you need light. You need something that says, hey, this is not forever. God is about to do something. And what he did was he ushered in the kingdom of heaven that would set them free. I reckon they would have all repeated, because we know the history of the Jewish people. They, they told stories. And they'd, they'd memorize scripture. And so I reckon they knew Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon their shoulders. And I can imagine as the angel's telling them, hey, he's born tonight, that they're hearing this. A son is born. And he would come with authority to rule and reign. And they're thinking, oh, all the tyranny of what we've been under, the oppression's about to break. And his name would be called, come on church, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. In other words, there'd be no limit to the wholeness that he would bring. Do you need to be reminded who the Messiah is this morning? Do you need to be reminded? You see, 
the good news was the Messiah brought the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. And what the shepherds didn't know was this Jesus that they came to worship and to see for themselves. He was going to make it possible for every single human person who would choose him to be born again. That means no matter what dysfunction's been in your family line, no matter what you've been through, no matter what's happened in your life, he would give you an opportunity to be born into a new bloodline, a bloodline that's full of wholeness and completeness and joy and so much goodness. And I love that. But the thing is, you see, you have to go through that, through Jesus, because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. The only way, if you want to restore your joy, is to get reconnected back to Jesus. John 15, one of my favorite chapters, it talks about how we are to live in life union with Jesus. And this is what he says. He said, these things I've spoken to you that my joy, that's his joy, may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, so he is the source of your joy. Not your circumstances, not your new car, not the presents you get this this Christmas, not your family lunch at Christmas. Your joy is found in him. And we just need to get connected back to the life source. You see, Paul tells us in Galatians, he says, you know what? There's fruit that comes from being connected to the source of life. And one of those fruits is joy that overflows. Like that is really powerful because we think, oh, maybe it's to do with my life getting better. Well, if I just got this, or if I just got that, or I'll just finish that, or I'll just get this degree, or I'll just get married, or I'll just... No, no, no. Right here, right now. He is your joy. And if you've lost your joy, okay, the Bible tells us in Psalm 16, in his presence is fullness of joy. Would you be a God chaser? Would you chase after his presence? Would you say, I'm not going anywhere if your presence doesn't meet me there? Because if you do, you see, we have a a well to draw from. Isaiah 12, 3 says that we can draw, we can with joy, we can draw water from the wells of salvation. That means every single day I get to go to a well with joy to draw from for everything that I need for that day. He is a God. As the word went this morning, a God of provision and resources. You see, I was in New Zealand and I loved it. Michelle and Tanil were with us and we went riding and we had a great time, didn't we? It really was good. And we had two guides that had to take us into the back country of Glenorchy in New Zealand. Beautiful, beautiful country. And um, when we went to leave on the fifth day, we were all hugging each other. Because you get very close to people when you're camping and you're intense and you're out in the wilderness. You chat and talk. And one of the guides, um, she came and gave me a hug. And she said to me, she said, Claire, I want what you've got. You are so full of joy. Now, she was not actually, I'm not so full of joy. If you, anyone knows me, when I went to New Zealand, I was empty as. <laughs> and I was, honestly, I was tired. And I'm like, what joy did you see? She saw the joy of Jesus. She encountered who he was. And, you know, when I had to speak on joy, I'm like, okay, I need some stats here. I need some stats, okay? Like, <laughs> like I want hard facts, Jesus. And, and so I saw this um, statistic about the happiest people on earth, okay? The happiest nations, the happy, happiest countries. I'm like, okay, I'm on the track. It sounds good, doesn't it? Now, this, this research was done this year, so it is current and hot tip, okay? <laughs> the funniest thing, they took 17 nations and... I was like, so where's Australia? Because, like, we've got beautiful weather, we've got beautiful beaches, especially the Gold Coast. (laughs) Do you know we were 12th 
You would not believe. UK was the, the, the least. USA was the second least. Do you know who was the first? You would never believe it, okay? You would never guess it. Who did you say? Who? India. Actually, they are happy people, aren't they? <laughs> India, I don't think they even joined India into this, but anyhow. Number one was Finland. Number two, Denmark, Iceland, Switzerland, Netherlands, Luxembourg, Sweden, Norway, Israel, yay, New Zealand, there you go, David, Austria, Australia, 12th. And this is what they found. Now, isn't it interesting because all those first countries are cold. I would have thought you would be unhappy in a cold. Uh, I'm a South African, so I like the sun. I'm like, how can you be happy when it's cold? <laughs> but anyhow, they are. Key factors, okay? Social support, same opportunities for all. There were four. Social support, same opportunities for all. Freedom to make life choices. Generosity and trust in government. So... After seeing that, I'm like, okay, Jesus, let's put the kingdom of heaven into this little research. Kingdom of heaven, social support, same opportunities for all. The message is for everyone and everywhere. No one disqualified or exempt. Tick. Freedom to make life choices. He gave us free will to choose. He didn't say you have to love me. He gave you free will to choose. And then you did. He gives freedom to you. Free. You don't have to do anything but receive it. I'm like, tick, actually, tick, tick. Generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his most valuable, precious gift to us. Generosity is a core pillar. We should be the most generous people on the planet. We should be known for our generosity. And then he didn't just give us his great gift. He said to her, and my God, and I will supply all your needs. What? What kind of kingdom is this? Trust in government, his rule will be characterized with peace, wholeness, and completeness. There will be no limit to the goodness he brings. Oh, my goodness. If we'd put the kingdom of God into that research, we would have been number one. The kingdom of God is righteousness, right standing with God, peace that conquers and subdues and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we get to not just receive God, we get to actually bubble up and overflow with joy too. Even when the world around us seems to be absolutely chaotic, we still have, can have joy. And I know this because I know I've lived this this year. And I know this has been a tough year. You see, when the shepherds went looking for Jesus for themselves, everything changed. And the angel said to them, you will know the Messiah by the sign and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. My second point I need to ask you, and I want you to say, you don't have to say it out loud, but my second point is, who is Jesus to you? You need an encounter with who he is, okay? We have a friend at the moment in the UK, and um, he was in, we knew him when he was in our youth group. Hey, David. And David's one of David's best friends. He's probably a year older than I am, and he's literally on his deathbed. He's taking his last breath, and, um, and you know, when he was young, he gave his life to Jesus. He was in youth with us. Hey, David. And then his life went along, and, you know, we live in such an affluent world. 
We get distracted from what the main thing and the one thing should be and the kingdom of heaven. And he got distracted and he got married and he had a daughter and he, his marriage broke and all sorts of things, things happened. And his heart actually got so hard that when we would actually talk to him, he didn't want to talk to us, didn't want to, know, didn't want to talk to us, didn't want to talk about God, couldn't even bring up the word, couldn't even pray with him. Well, in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking to him, hey, David. And he's softened so much and he's made his peace with God. And the difference is this man is no longer bitter. He's about to meet his maker. And he's meeting his maker with joy and peace because the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, right standing, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he is not frightened. He knows that he doesn't go alone. And his Savior will meet him at the door. And you see, what we forget is we forget to live in the light of eternity. That this world is only temporal. There is another kingdom which is far more real than what we're living in. But we get distracted and we get busy. And we forget that the kingdom of God needs that we need to be connected to the life source continually. This is why our nation has got such an epidemic of depression and anxiety. It's because we get disconnected. We need to get back to that. You see, there was a time in my life I had such great darkness. I, I can't even tell you how dark I, I was in. It was so dark. And at the time, David was going through a hard time too, so I couldn't even grab onto him. I had no one to grab on, hold on to. And I remember thinking, Jesus, I have read that you're a rescuer and you're a messiah. And if this is true, then I need to find you for myself in my darkness. And I need to know what it is to be rescued. I need to know what it is to have a Messiah that would come into my darkness and bring the light of a new day and restore some things to my life. And you know, he did. He did. Every day, I used to get out his word. And all those things that I didn't feel and couldn't see, I spoke. And I spoke. And I spoke and I used to lie in bed at night and I couldn't sleep. And I would just say, Jesus, I thank you. You're so good. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you are my Messiah and you're my Savior. And I believe your word, Jesus. And I believe your word. And you know what? He rescued me. He rescued me. He broke through. And so forever, forever, amen, I will live rescued. And I will live grateful for that moment because now I know who Jesus is. I grew up in a family that my dad became a pastor. So I knew the word of God, but I needed to know him in my darkness. I needed to know who he was in my darkness. And I'm so grateful that he stooped into my mess and shame. And he set me free. That's my testimony. I know the power of Jesus living in me. I often declare he's faithful. You know why? Because I've lived it. I don't just say it because the Bible says it. I've lived it. Okay? Each one of us are going to go through a pressure test in life. At some point, God is going to say it's time for your faith to be tested. Because a faith that hasn't been tested cannot be trusted. You see, it's a pressure test that makes us strong and makes us a force in the, that of, of the kingdom of God where our faith cannot be shaken. Our world has been shaken, but has your faith been shaken? And you see, what happens is um, often he'll use this and bring hard times and hard things into our world. And they say that when silver is refined, they're heated up to high heat and they melt it so you can't even tell that what it was in the beginning. And then that when they know when it's time to turn the heat off, the only way the silversmith knows when it's ready is when he can see a reflection of his faith, face in the silver. And it's the same with us, okay? These dark places, they take us into a deeper revelation of who is Jesus for you. And nobody, nobody can take that away from you. 
Nobody can tell me that my Jesus is not faithful. Nobody can tell me that my God is not good. Nobody can tell me that my God doesn't rescue and doesn't come into my shame and my mess and pull me out of that place. Nobody, because I know I have been an eyewitness of his power and his goodness. And you see, the sign that the shepherds needed to see was these shepherds weren't just ordinary shepherds. These shepherds were believed to be Levitical shepherds, shepherds in the, that were used in the temple that actually cared for the sheep. And they were chosen and trained to attend to these flocks of sheep that were used in the, for the sacrifices in the temple. So they looked after the sacrificial lambs. Wow, how fitting it was that these shepherds were the ones to hear the announcement of the birth of the Saviour because they would get the sign, you see. Sacrificial lambs had to be spotless and without blemish. They required special treatment once they were born. And when the ewe was about to give birth, what they would do is they'd take her to this place called Migdal Eda. And Migdal Eda was known as the watchtower of the flock. And they were taken into this place, and this is where the lands for the temple sacrifice were raised and looked after. And these Passover lands, when they were born, they'd be wrapped tightly with specially designated temple cloths. And then they'd be laid in a manger to protect them from any blemishes. And when the angel appeared and told them that they would find the newborn king wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, they knew exactly where to find him. Micah had prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Edgar, in Midgil Edra. And so they knew that the only place where swaddling cloths like that were used was there. So they knew where to go. And these lambs, do you know what they represented? What they would use them for is the Passover feast they would have every year. They would celebrate the lamb that its blood was poured out and painted on the doorpost to protect them from the angel of death. And so... These lambs brought deliverance. That's what they represented, deliverance and freedoms. These lambs were born to die. Wow. The miracle sign was the baby boy lying where the Passover lamb should be in a manger, wrapped in strips of cloth. In that moment, the shepherds knew Messiah. What did it shout? The Lamb of God. When the John the Baptist saw Jesus, what did he shout? Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Do you know every one of us need the Lamb of God? Nothing. The Bible tells the wages of our sin is death. Every one of us are condemned to death without the Lamb of God and his blood being shed. Can you imagine what these shepherds must have thought? Deliverance is here. Deliverance is here. I had an opportunity. It was the greatest privilege to lead a young woman to the Lord. And we're in the busy, of, a busy place of Sanctuary Cove outside George's Paragon. And this young girl, she was going through such a hard time. And I invited, I said to her, would you like to invite Jesus into your life? And she said, yes. And we sat together and people were coming and going in and out of the restaurant. And we held hands. And she started to pray the prayer and invited Jesus to be her personal saviour. And you know what? Halfway through, she said, Jesus, would you come and live in my life? Suddenly, her eyes flew open, and this huge smile came on her, and she took this big breath, and she said, what was that? And I heard the Lord say to me, you just saw someone being born again. Just saw her take her first breath into the new life. And she looked at me, she said, what was that? And I said, that was the Spirit of God coming inside of you. How powerful. Isn't that awesome? You see, we all need that moment. Have you had that moment, church? 
When Jesus becomes real to you, Mark 8, 27, Jesus asked this question to disciples. He said, who do the people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah the prophet, still others say you must be one of the prophets. And so he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Peter spoke up and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Church, every single one of us, at some point in your journey with God, God will ask you, who do you say I am? Who is he to you? You see, when these shepherds heard and then they saw, they believed. It's such a powerful thing. And when they did, awe and wonder came to their life. I pray that we never lose awe and wonder of what Jesus came to do. What a powerful moment it is when we hear the word of God, we see for ourselves, and we believe. Something happens. Romans 10 tells us if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And he says, anyone, whoever, wherever, Anyone who asks the Lord for help will be saved. It's for everyone, everywhere. This Christmas, we will find great joy as we tell people about that, okay? In, in Luke 2, it said, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Out of encountering Jesus, they had a testimony. Can I ask you, do you have a testimony? If you don't, go looking for him. Go find Jesus for you. Go find him, because when you do, you will not be able to keep quiet. My third point is tell everyone, everywhere, the good news this Christmas. He wants you to tell your story. I went to the movies the other day with Art and Jan and Jude, and we went to see the little um, chosen bit that was coming. And I sat down, and they came and asked with me with big beaming faces. As I said to Art this morning, Art, you can preach this message. You carry joy. And they're beaming faces because there was so much joy. You know what they'd done? It's as they got their ticket and as they bought their, their goodies, they told the young lady all about the Messiah and Jesus. And, this, and, they said, and he's like, come to church. You need to come to our church. You need to know there's good news. And I love that because that is how God wants you and I to live. It should be that way. Psalm 107 says, he's better than anyone, anything ever could imagine. He's always loving and kind. His faithful love never ends. So go ahead. Let everyone know it. Tell the world how he broke through for you from the power of darkness and gathered us up from all over the world. He has set us free to be on his very own. We belong to the family of God, church. Do you know that? The shepherds could not keep the news quiet. It said they told everyone everywhere, and everyone was in awe and wonder of what they said. Do you remember the joy you carried when you first felt? found Jesus. Do you remember? I was nine years old. I went to school the next day. We were lining up for assembly. I told everybody in that line, guess what? Do you know Jesus? I went to all of them. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? You need to know Jesus because you can't get to God without knowing Jesus. I mean, I was a fiery evangelist. I was not letting anyone in my class that I loved miss out on hearing the good news. I pray God, I pray we pick that up again. I pray every time we go to the gas station, every time we go to the shops, every time we're shopping, we're looking for someone we can share the good news with. I believe that those shepherds couldn't keep quiet because their joy that they saw and felt from the presence of God was so ridiculously amazing. They knew everyone needed to hear the news. Everyone, I pray that this year, this Christmas, our mouths will become bold to share this good news for Jesus. And so I believe 
And I believe I'm living testimony, and I believe you are too, that we can live continually in joy no matter what our circumstances are. And I'm not saying that you can't cry, because I, I can be crying and still have joy. I can still feel grief and still have joy, because joy is attached to hope. Hope and joy are best friends. They go together. You see, my last point is this, verse 20. The shepherds returned to their flock ecstatic over what had happened. And they praised God and glorified him for all that they'd heard and seen for themselves, just as the angel had said. I looked up the definition of ecstatic. I like it. Feeling or expressing overwhelming happiness or joyful excitement. They lived in a joy that overflowed. There's fruit. Have you got fruit? There's fruit. Okay. Number four, never stop praising God. Join the chorus, church. Join the chorus of angels glorifying God. I heard God say that to me this morning. Tell the people to join the chorus. Join the chorus, church. Live a life of praise. Our praise reflects our joy level. If you're struggling to find joy, it's because you're not praising enough. You're not fixing your eyes on the Messiah, the rescuer, and you're not being grateful enough to remind yourself, hey, I can draw water with joy from the wells of salvation every single day. If that is all you've got... If there's nothing else you can praise God for, is that you have been saved from darkness to light. Your sins have been forgiven. Okay, that's great. But there actually is more. There is more. And I love it because <laughs> Paul, we know Paul's life, the murderer, hey. He knew the power of praise. And he gives us some instructions. He actually tells us that for him when he prays, it opened prison doors. Praise brought chain, broke chains, okay. Praise brought people who were far away from God, close to God. And he said, praise is a gateway into the kingdom of heaven. So when you start to praise, you will actually step like we did this morning into a supernatural realm of the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, which is ridiculous, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. He says, put rejoice on repeat. Put it on repeat like you do with your, your phone on songs you like. Put rejoice on repeat. Don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't lose the wonder, church. Find your joy in him every single day. Do you know that rejoicing is a weapon against the matters of the soul that will threaten to shipwreck our soul? If you have gone through a tough year, your soul will be a little bit weary. Okay, your soul will be feeling what you've been through. And the way to get through that is rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. But we're not rejoicing in the circumstances. We're rejoicing in our rescuer, the Messiah, that came that first Christmas. And if you find Christmas hard this year, many of us do, okay, would you do it differently for me? Would you praise yourself through it? Would you praise him through it? Sing over your barren places. Sing so loud that your neighbors will hear. I heard that term this week when I had a lady text me and something really big's going on in her life. And she said, McClay, I don't know what to do. And I said to her, praise him through it. Sing over your barren places. You know what she texts back? I'm going to sing so loud my neighbors are going to hear it. I'm like, yeah, now you've got it. Now the weapon is working. You see, Paul said to us, count it all joy. Count it all joy. He said, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity, a valuable opportunity. So if you're going through a hard time, there's a doorway here. Something's about to open up to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then endurance grows stronger. We need endurance, church. It will release perfection 
into every part of your being until there's nothing missing and nothing lacking. You see, joy will be the strength to complete your God-given mission and assignment that he's placed upon your life. Nehemiah reminded us when they were building the wall, he said, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Whatever assignment he's put you, he may have put you in prison like he did Paul. He may have put you somewhere really hard. Honestly, the last two years, I would never have chosen to be in any circumstances that I've been in. But he placed me there and he said to me, Claire, your joy in me will give you the strength and the grace to walk through your assignment to its end. You see, if we will live thanks, thank, thanking God, we can see amazing things happen. I actually want to end today with a testimony. It's a powerful testimony of two women. Um, and they were in Iran. And these women found Jesus. And for three years, they covertly put Bibles into 20,000 Iranians at night in their letterboxes. 20,000. Amazing, hey? They started two, this is two women, two young women. They weren't old, they were young. They started two secret home churches. One was for prostitutes and the other one was for abandoned women who had been abandoned by their husbands because of their faith. In 2009, they were arrested and held in the notorious Evan prison in Tehran. And that prison was known for torture and swift executions. But in this prison, despite the hardships, these women told everybody about their faith in Jesus. And one of the girls, her name's Mary, and I want to speak, I want to teach, I want to tell you her testimony. Oh no, I lost it. Luckily I wrote the page number down. <laughs> she wrote a testimony while she was in prison. And this is what she says. Throughout our time in prison, the presence of the Holy Spirit had been our rock. The one assurance we always had that the Lord loved us would never forsake us and was using us for some great purpose. There were times, though, when I was so weary and exhausted that I allowed, I allowed that assurance to slip. For several days during that period, I couldn't feel the Lord's presence. The loneliness that kept, crept into my heart was frightening. I reached a point where I couldn't eat and found an emptiness I'd never known before as a Christian. I prayed, walking around my tiny cell, asking the Lord to make himself known in a special way. When Fresher woke up, it's her cellmate, I started singing hymns, and my voice filled the entire corridor. Fresher was afraid the sound would attract the guards. I expected the guards too, but kept singing. I sang nonstop for hours, no more silence, no more following oppressive, inhuman rules. I sang at the top of my lungs until it was nearly dark. Finally exhausted, I lay down in the middle of the floor and closed my eyes. And there it was, the Spirit of God flowing over me, embracing me, reassuring me. I knew that he had never left my side. I was now free from sadness and pressure, completely happy. I'm amazed no guards came all day, Fresha said. You know your voice had to reach the men's corridor and the guards there would complain to the guards in the women's section. But she could feel the presence of God too. At dinner time, the God we called the ghost came with our food and said, you did whatever you wanted to today. And your voice carried all the way to the other side of the building. Do you know when you praise in the hard times, your voice will be heard by others who are bound by sadness. But I didn't do anything, I said. I just sang. Though the ghost was never very expressive, I thought she looked sad. I said to her, what happened? Why are you upset? 
And she said, I'm tired of working here. I don't think I'm cut out for it. Would you pray for me that I will be happy too? And so I prayed for my captor, secure in the presence of the Lord that washed over me in waves in the deepest recesses of the most feared ward of the most notorious prison in one of the most oppressed nations of the world. Surely I had never felt more blessed. You see, our praise will release others into that well of salvation where joy is found. And I pray today, girls and guys, I'm always talking to the girls, so that's why I say girls, but church, I pray today. And well, I said, the Lord, what do you want me to ask the people? And he said, invite them in to join the chorus. Okay, it's not about your circumstance. It's not about what happened in your life. It's just about who he is. And if you would start to lift him up. You see, I found myself a few weeks ago so worn down so tired and so battle-weary. And I got on this plane to go to New Zealand. I was very grateful for the break. But I was tired and I was done. And I said, Jesus, I need you to meet me there. And I was blessed. I had two nights where I was alone in a tent. And the first night, I said, Jesus, I need an appointment with heaven. I need, like, Marianne. I need to feel your presence again. Because for me... If I don't feel his presence, I can't walk another step. I need to know, God, you're with me. And I lay in that bed, and all night I prayed, and I worshipped, and I said, Jesus, I love you. No matter what my life looks like, I love you. No matter what prayer doesn't get answered, I love you. And I declare my life is yours. The next morning, I got up really, really early. And I walked out, and we were surrounded by mountains with snow. That night, we had a stump of snow which is beautiful, and there were waterfalls, and this is in the back country of Glenorchy, and I walked, and I looked over, and I saw these horses, and I saw the snow, and I saw the magnificence of these mountains, and in that instant, I started to praise Him, and the presence of God came down, and out of my mouth, I started to sing like I have never sung before, a song to my King that broke off weariness of soul. It broke off a place that I'd been living in. It was a presence that said to me, Claire, you can keep going. Because my presence has never left you. Your soul just got tired and weary. And that joy was always available for you. You can continually come to the well to draw water from salvation. It's all about who I am. And I sang the song that I had not sang for years and years and years. And I have not stopped playing, and I play it in my car, and every time I play it, I cannot stop but weep and weep and weep because of the kindness and the goodness of God. And as those shepherds saw their Savior and they knew they'd been rescued, they had the same response. So church, I say that to you today. Today, this is 2022. We're about to cross over into 2023. Today, there's an opportunity for one for you to find Jesus for yourself that you would have a testimony, that you one day would stand on a pulpit or wherever you are in a shopping center, wherever you are, and you would do what those shepherds did and you would tell your testimony of how he broke through for you. And your story would not just be, I know the word of God, I can memorize scripture. Your story will be, hey, he broke through out of my darkness and I need to tell you the good news. And so today I invite you, would you live a life of joy? Would you live a life of joy? Would you connect back to Jesus? If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, today I say, come. I'm not even wanting people to close their eyes. If you want Jesus, if you want this joy, come. If you say, I've, I've done this prayer before, but I lost my joy, come. 
come and just run to the front and say, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I'm not coming to Claire or anyone else. I'm coming to you because I need to reconnect that life source. I need the fruit of joy in my life. And you know what? You actually don't need anyone to pray over you. You just need to make this declaration to heaven that you're going to become a God chaser. 2023 is going to be a year where you're going to chase God. You're going to worship Him. You're going to give your life to Him like you never have before. And you're going to run so hard like those shepherds did to find Jesus. And when you do, the joy that's going to overflow in your life is going to be ridiculous. And so I ask you today, for those that say, hey, I'm connected, I'm good. I'm going to say to you, would you join the chorus? Would you join the chorus and bring glory to his name? That's wherever you are, whatever circumstance you're in, would you learn how to be a rejoice always on repeat? Rejoice always on repeat. And you see, what happened to me when I was in that back country is I had this moment with Jesus. And then because I was up so early, I went into where the the guides were cooking breakfast. And without even any effort at all, I shared a part of my testimony that I hadn't shared with anybody. It flowed out of me with such joy. And that very same guide that I'd shared my testimony was the one who said to me when I left and hugged me and said, I want what you've got. You see, God will make it easy. It's not hard to share the gospel when it comes from an overflow. You've just got to know you're Jesus. Just got to know you, Jesus. So I say to you today, will you join the chorus? Would you join the chorus? Would you stand up today and say, hey, Jesus, here I am. My neighbors are going to hear about my Jesus. My neighbors have heard carols for days. Loud as possible. And then David walks past, drops it down. I put it back up. <laughs> Church, it's good news. It's good news. Would you like to stand? Can we, can we join the chorus? Can we have a song? And if you would like to come up, if you want prayer or you just want to make a declaration to God and say, I'm joining the chorus, you come. You come this morning. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.